Welcome to the All Saints Community Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. We are committed to being rooted in the scriptures and the historic Christian faith and to kingdom life in the power of the Holy Spirit. As you listen, may you be encouraged and empowered to know the Lord Jesus and make him known. For more information on who we are, visit allsaintsokc.org or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at ASCCOKC. So here we are. We're moving deeper into the book of Hebrews. This letter that was written around 68 AD, about 35 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. As we've seen this letter written for a church that was facing suffering and hard times. And in the face of that, what was lifted up, the overall message of the book of Hebrews is Jesus is supreme. He's the greater prophet. He's the greater priest. He's the greater king. And last Sunday, we looked at chapter 1, verses 5 through 14, and we saw that Jesus is greater than all angels those who brought and mediated the Old Testament law. And today what's happening in chapter 2 is the author of Hebrews is kind of moving from talking through specific scriptures, what's called exposition, exposing or uncovering the meaning of these scriptures to exhortation. And so the author of Hebrews is now going to exhort, encourage, and challenge the church to pay attention, to wake up, because what they've experienced is a greater salvation. So we're looking at a great salvation and great attention to the message. I'm going to read Hebrews 2, 1 to 4, and then we'll walk through it together. Therefore, we must pay greater attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. For if the message declared through angels was valid, and every transgression or disobedience received a just penalty, how can we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? It was declared at first through the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard him, while God added his testimony by signs and wonders and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to to his will. This is the word of God. Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to open our eyes for you to speak to us, Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we're going to look at two things here. And because we were having so much fun with our meet and greet and prophetic ministry and worship. I'm going to abbreviate this, but we only have two things we're looking at here. And verse one, it's the idea of paying greater attention. You see it there in the first line. It begins with therefore. And what the author is doing is connecting what he's about to say with the previous chapter, therefore. And friends, it's interesting. What we're going to see in Hebrews over and over again, if you remember the things that he said about Jesus are pretty mind-blowing. And we called it high Christology. And by that, it's 
a theology of who Christ is and what He's done. And now what He's doing is showing the church that lofty things, majestic things said about Jesus actually play out in real time. Christology, theology, reflection on who God is and Christ and going deep in that actually matters. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, therefore, in light of the things I've told you about the person of Jesus, pay greater attention to what we've heard. And then look at the verb he uses here, so that we do not drift away from it. He's going to explain why pay greater attention, because God has spoken. God spoke in the Old Testament. He said that the Old Testament law, the Torah, what God gave at Mount Sinai was delivered through angels. It was valid. It was reliable because God said it and God revealed it. And he's also saying that those then who disobeyed, who heard the Word of God, who heard God speak and turned their back on it, they received discipline from God. So he's setting this up. He's saying God spoke then, and those who chose to plug their ears or disobey were properly disciplined. It was fair, wasn't it? That's what he's saying here. And now he's going to say God has spoken in a more clear and a greater manner than in the Old Testament law. His Son, the Word of God Himself, has come and revealed the fullness of God. To see Christ is to see the Father. And so he's saying, you've got to pay careful attention now. Do you see it? He's going to do that regularly. He's going to say wonderful, beautiful things about the Old Testament, about the Torah, the instruction, the law, and then he's going to say, all the more God is speaking. He's speaking to his church. He's speaking to the nations. And he uses this word here. It's interesting because I think many of us have done it at times. He says, don't drift away from what you've heard. Don't drift away from Christ. This is probably, this word means many things. I was learning this week that the word drift away was used in the first century for people who were forgetting things to have your your mind, something in your mind, your memory, it drifts away and you can't remember it. The author of Hebrews is saying, don't let that happen. It's also used, interestingly, about a ring slipping from a finger. Just like that ring would slip off from your finger, he's saying, don't let this message, don't let the person of Christ, who he is, slip away from your heart. Definitely what's also going on here is there are nautical overtones. I'm asking a young person, what do I mean by nautical? What does that mean if I say there's something about the nautical here? Anybody? Boats. That's right. Boats and ships and life on the seas. And so what the author of Hebrews is saying here is don't slip away. Don't drift off course, but rather fix yourself to the seabed with an anchor. Don't be drifting. Don't drift away from Christ. Don't let the winds of strange doctrine blow you away, but fix yourself with an anchor into the person of Christ. Now, some of you know that in Hebrews 6, that language is actually used. Hebrews 6.19 says this, 
the author of Hebrews says, we have an anchor for the soul through faith in Christ that enters behind the veil within the holy place. And so he's using nautical language through the book. And he's saying, do not drift. Friends, life in Christ and life in the church is like being on a ship, isn't it? Maybe you've never realized this, but look up at the architecture of this place. Did you know that this church was designed to look like a ship? It's in the shape of a cross, so if you look at it, From the top, like many ancient churches, it's in the shape of a cross, but it's meant to look like Noah's Ark. And so ancient Christians would structure their churches to look like a ship because you are through Christ, through baptism into Christ, faith in Christ, joining the body of Christ, you're entering his boat of salvation. Isn't that cool? And so we are on a ship together. And friends, if I can be vulnerable here for a moment, I have drifted away before. This is the first time in the book, first time of five places where it's going to talk to the church about don't drift away, don't drift away. And I, as your pastor, choose regularly to share openly from my life because I do not do it perfectly ever. I follow Jesus just like you do. He gives the spirit. He gives us strength. But I am a weak person, and I am dependent on his grace and his power and his forgiveness. And if you could have seen me yesterday when I was trying to steam clean around the house and the thing broke, Amanda's laughing out loud, I had a nice little episode of Tourette's (laughs) because I am human. And I'm not making light of Tourette's. I'm just letting you know I am broken, and I was frustrated, and I lost it yesterday. And then I had a nice time of repenting and asking her to forgive me for speaking of nautical. I sounded like a sailor. She forgave me. She gave me grace. And then through the day, I just said, Lord, what is the deal? What? what it's crazy. What am I capable of? If your presence lifted from me, your grace wasn't operating, that's just the beginning. And so it's like a reminder. Any of you have those little reminders of what you're capable of? If the Lord's presence or grace or mercy lifted from you, we go off the deep end. I didn't plan on sharing that. I planned on sharing this, though, that a decade ago, um, we, Amanda and I have talked openly about our time in the desert, and it was difficult. And I share openly about my struggles with faith and doubt. And at one point, 10 years ago, I found myself drifting away from the Lord's truth and what I knew was right and what his word said. And I was in an academic context all the time as a professor and a teacher, and the stuff was corrosive. And I was wrestling with big questions, big ones. Like, is God really there? Are you there? Are you really sovereign? Are you really in control? 
God, do you really care? Do you care? Are you there and do you care? We're doing some suffering here and I'm not sure that you even care. And friends, that is real life, isn't it? And so when we come together, we, we're real with each other. This was me 10 years ago, drifting in my little boat, drifting away from what God makes clear in the scriptures. And I was broken, and Amanda was broken. And a big part of that is because we couldn't find a local church to belong to. It was strange. It was like we had church repellent sprayed on us, and we would go to church, and people were like, we're not sure we want you around. It was odd. It was tough. A lot of it was cultural, being in the deep south, but it was lonely, and we were drifting away from things that we knew to be true. And when we moved back to Oklahoma, thank the Lord, seven years ago, we got reconnected with the local church. We went through deliverance and healing. Yes, your pastor went through deliverance and had barnacles cut off of me and things driven out of me, and it's not the end. I am commit. I'm going to go through healing and deliverance till I meet Jesus. Are you? Are you willing to humble yourself and say, you know what? I need deliverance. I need counseling. I need therapy. I need Jesus to transform me, and I really don't care about my reputation and how I look. Amen? And I'm letting you know that's how I'm rolling, and I'm asking you to do the same thing. Many of you do, but if today you're worried about your reputation or looking good before other people or whatever it is, you got to get over that. And you got to grow because otherwise you drift away. And so the scriptures are calling us, all of us, do not drift away. Jesus has been revealed. If you're here today, you've heard a lot of truth over time. If you're in Oklahoma, you've heard the truth of the gospel, the truth of the scriptures. You're going to be accountable for that. I'm going to be accountable. Don't drift away. Some of you are drifting right now. And so through the word of God, I'm imploring you, I'm pleading with you, put an anchor down. Put an anchor down and get close to him today. If you've been drifting, it's time to pull into the port and to say, I need you, Lord. I want to get real with you. I need healing. I need deliverance. My marriage is a wreck. My friendships are a mess. Let the Lord work on you. Now, we pulled into port about seven years ago, got reconnected, went through some deliverance and healing, which continues to this day. And friends, I wish I could say the waves have stopped, the battles have ended, it's all wonderful and smooth sailing now. Because then you would know I'm not telling the truth. It's like new battles. You pull into port, you drop the anchor, you get involved in the local church, you pray, you read the scriptures, you go through healing, deliverance, you get counseling, and there are still battles. Can I get an amen? They don't go away. The waves don't stop. Maybe there's a little pause in between storms, but most of the time, if you're on the ship 
and you're living life with Christ and with his people, it's going to be tough. And so your goal is to not drift away, but to stay close to him, to stay close to people, and when it's really hard, cling to one another. Cling to Christ. Amanda and I are saying regularly now, we're not going to drift away anymore. Right, babe? No more drift. We've, we've spent years doing that and letting ourselves drift, letting ourselves drift. And, you know, I don't want to paint it into a terrible picture. It was a pretty bad picture. Could have been worse. But I've shared during that time the excessive drinking and trying to medicate myself and all that. That stuff's been driven out. And so we're looking at each other now and we're saying, we're not going to drift away. Let's finish the race. Let's finish the marathon and we can only make it with his help. But we're going to suffer. That's something we say. If you've got the big question, God, are you there? Do you care? You know what? You're going to suffer anyway. So you get to suffer with God or without God. And so for us, at some of the bleakest times, We say we are choosing to suffer with God, to suffer with Christ rather than without him. We don't even, what what does life without him look like? What are we going to be agnostic? What are we going to do? Take the atheistic turn, get deconstructed and come over here and say, there is no God. I'm going to do all this on my own. That's foolish. The scriptures say the one who says there is no God is foolish agnosticism, atheism, the stuff that was pulling at us, pulling at me, is foolishness. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. The wise person says there is a God, and God does care, and God is there, but he's not pampering me. Man, this ain't in the notes. Did you know that God's aim for your life is not to coddle you? to pamper you, to make your life easy. God is out to make soldiers, just like I shared with Sam. Life is short. God is not out to just kind of walk through the meadow and hold hands with you and make sure that everything is wonderful and you've got enough money and enough. That is not what the scriptures teach us. God is out to form Christ in you. And I don't know about you, but I look at the symbol behind me here, and that does not mean coddling and comfort and ease. It means that God will allow you and me to be crucified in life so that he can raise you up. That's what God's aim is. The American church, what is happening? The messaging coming at us is all wrong doesn't mean that there aren't many churches that are preaching the Word of God, but God is out to form His Son in us and to make us strong and courageous. Are soldiers formed on vacation, on the beach? No. Soldiers are formed in battle. Sailors are made in storms. And that's God's design for us. And so we pay attention to the message that we're reading in the Scriptures and in Hebrews. Boy, I tell you, I keep doing this to myself. Try to compress the message 
Let's do this real quick, okay? Can you give me just a couple minutes so that we can move on? Because I got some young people like Luke Dixon. He'll come up and go, great, Pastor, you made it through one verse. (laughs) And he's right. I love this stuff. I get lost in it. It's wonderful. But let's look at verses 2 through 4 real quick, can we? Is that all right? Can we do it? And then we'll have ministry time and communion. So verses 2 through 4. We're told in verse 1, pay greater attention. In verses 2 through 4, we're told why. Because a greater salvation has been worked out. God has gotten involved. He sent his son. The Old Testament message was valid, and those who obeyed or disobeyed were received their just penalty or reward. And really what the author is saying there of Hebrews, you look at Deuteronomy 11, and it says this, choose to live a life blessed by God or cursed. That's what he's saying. Obey the Lord and be blessed. Disobey the Lord and experience the discipline of life apart from him. That's what he's saying. So friends, it really is that simple. Part of why I was drifting away and experiencing what I was is because there was some disobedience in my heart some rebellion, and the Lord had to work that out and bring discipline and correction and desperation. And so now I'm like, yes, Father. Some of the areas where I've been disobedient, rebellious, I I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to drift. And friends, listen to me. This is some heavy stuff here. And, And we've got to be true to the Word, don't we? If you hear the truth about Christ and the love of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God that comes through Christ, you're accountable. That's what the scriptures are showing us here. To whom much is given, much is required. And so we have, I've got a lot of truth flowing in my life. You probably do too. And so the Lord's going to expect you to be obedient and to learn lessons. Sometimes you got to go to the woodshed, but learn the lesson. And I've got, as your pastor, to be true to the Word. If He reveals truth to you, and His Son has come and made it crystal clear, and you have access to the Scriptures, and you're in a church community, you're going to be held accountable. Does that mean that I'm mad, or God's mad? No, no, no. We're just being true to what the Scriptures teach. We're going to be accountable, and that brings the fear of the Lord to me. I don't know about you. Let's end with this. This is awesome. The end of this passage here, the end of verse 3 there, roots the whole of what he's saying here. He's going to give us three witnesses to what he's presenting here. He's going to say, the Lord told you these things through his teaching. And then church, what's he say secondly? Look at that. This message, the message of the kingdom, the message of the love of God in Christ, all of that came directly through Christ. And then what? Look at it there. Then it was attested, another testimony, another confirmation by who? By those who heard him. Who's that, church? It's the apostles, those who were with Christ, the second witness. And then thirdly, God himself confirms the message of the kingdom 
the gospel of Jesus Christ himself, he puts his stamp of approval on it. How? Look at this. This is really cool. With signs and wonders and miracles. And then what, church? The gifts of the Holy Spirit. So the author of Hebrews is saying this is true, true, true. Christ himself brought the message, the gospel of the kingdom. His apostles brought the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection. And then the third confirmation is that God performed signs and wonders and miracles through Jesus, through the apostles. And then what does the text say? The gifts of the Holy Spirit in the church until Christ returns. Let's stand.